It's time for a little something. I forget. My notes say I'm Professor Robert E.G. Black, and I'm here with Dave Pallas and Sean German from Five Minutes of Mystery and Nexine Podcast. And it's time to discuss Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. But they're erasing me, and I have no memory of any of this. So, hello. Hey, hey. <laughs> hey, I was, I, yeah, I don't know. You had your intro. I was like, I don't, I don't know what he wants me to come in at. I, <laughs> I will, I'll say this at the top of the thing. Never seen this film. And I, I watched the trailer for it over the weekend. And I said, I don't know if I'm allowed to watch this film. You ever get that feeling where you're just, you feel like this movie is too smart for me <laughs> and I'm not allowed to watch it. Like, that's the feeling I get. It's kind of like if someone said, Hey, are you going to go to like the Apollo to watch comedy? I go, I don't think I'm allowed to watch. Like, <laughs> I can walk in and like legally I'm allowed to sit and enjoy the show. But there's like that, that, that unspoken rule of I'm not allowed to be there to experience art that way. That's how I feel when I watch the trailer for this film. I'm like, no, I'm not allowed to watch this. Just put speed on. That's fine. That's <laughs> that's your level. Yeah. Like, oh, I can watch a, a bus go 55 miles per hour. Yeah, no problem. But it's like, oh, this I don't know. I'm allowed <laughs> How about you, Sean? You've seen this, right? Yes. Is this the one, think, which yeah. one did you just watch for the first time? Or had you seen all three before? I had seen all three before. Okay. But Ex Machina, I saw very recently, maybe last year or the year before, saw it for the first time. This I, I did see. I did not see it in the theater. I saw it you know, a few years later after it came out on home video. And I had a, a not too dissimilar reaction that Dave had of like, you know, this seems kind of interesting. This seems kind of quirky, but I don't know if it's for me. Huh. And then when I saw it, I'm like, you know what? I, I think it is for me. I think yeah. I do understand it or, I, you know, I'm at least qualified to watch it. And I think, Dave, I think you are qualified to watch. I think you'll enjoy it if, if you haven't seen the whole thing yet. No, no. You should check it out. Th- this one is officially my favorite film. Oh, okay. And officially, I mean, by it was in my breakdown of my favorite films and Cock and Bull Minute. I didn't actually end up finishing talking about every single film in okay. that final at 36. <laughs> I was going to say, I didn't, I didn't remember you finishing that bracket. No, I didn't finish the bracket, but it was part of the point was that I couldn't finish the bracket. I didn't mm-hmm. want to pick favorite films. I don't like ranking things, but when people ask, this is usually the one I say, especially with my like students who a lot of time are like fairly young and have never heard of anything because yeah. the title alone, they're like, what the hell does that mean? Yeah. Like, go find out. I was like, do they even know that like Jim Carrey was known for do they even wild know who Jim Carrey is anymore? Yeah. That's yeah. true. They would be like, Oh, he's Robotnik. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess he is. <laughs> there you go. Did you ever see that live action Grinch? That's well, that one Oof. live, no, he, Oof. one of the live action Grinch. Movies, one of the right? live action. <laughs> wow. Cause they did one with Michael Myers mm. or Mike Myers, not Michael Myers. That's a different that's, podcast. That's, that's a different podcast. <laughs> that you also that you also did. did. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Always yeah. be plugging, um, as Sean said yesterday. Yeah. But this is great. I mean, this has got uh, some of my favorite performances from, from a lot of these actors, but I think this is probably my favorite Jim Carrey performance. I think this is one of the better. I mean, Kate Winslet is great in everything, mm-hmm. but I think, you know, particularly she does a really good job. Tom Wilkinson, yeah. Kirsten Dunst. So, I mean, in terms of favorite films, this is this is good. This is a good one. Now, I don't know if either of you made this connection, but what does Joel wake up in? A bed. Well, a fold-out bed of a couch. Yeah, the fold-out couch. Let me rephrase. What is he wearing? He's wearing pajamas. What color well, are Well, is they? he wearing socks? No, is he just got weird feet? What color are his pajamas? 
Well, he's got black. I think he's got, I would say dark blue pajamas. I mean, if you're trying to say that they look like Phil Connors pajamas. Yes. I'll give you that. Yeah. They're not, when it comes to Jim Carrey pajamas, they're nowhere close to the Stanley Ipkiss pajamas. Now that I'm an expert <laughs> in. Whatever you want for the mask minute, I can, I'll, I'll be there all day. That I've been an expert in. I made this connection back when I was writing about Groundhog Day every day that I don't know if it's on purpose, but I, I in my brain, I like to make those connections. Like a character in one movie, like that actor shows up. I'm like, if he were that other character, this would be an interesting scene. So I just like, whatever. And if he wearing the blue pajamas, because he's just like Phil Connors, his loop is different. I'm very, yeah, I'll admit, I'm obviously going into this pretty much blind, looking around his room. Like, I'm trying to understand this New York apartment that small that he's not allowed a bedroom. (laughs) And I'm looking around like he's got two lounge chairs, the couch, the bookcase, I can't tell it's on the right, but there's more books and, and Tupperware of knickknacks and then shelves full of knickknacks and another, well, I, say, I guess three shelves of books. The guy loves to read. I'll give him that. And that's all I see of his apartment right now. And I'm kind of like, yeah, it's just what a weird New York apartment, unless his living room's not really a living room or something. I don't know. Like it's what we see. We see this room. We see the kitchen. We see the bathroom. I don't think we see any other rooms. This is the space. This is the space. It's a tiny little place. I mean, I believe it's a set. Yeah. I'm only at this minute seeing this room. I have not seen anything else of his apartment. But looking at this, I go like, it's just books in his bed, really. And possibly a bong. I don't know what the orange thing is. But is his character someone you would see that would be doing bong hits? No. Then what is that, do you think? That orange thing? My guess is it's like a novelty... Beer sign thing. It's like a tall drink. Oh, the wishbone beer drinks. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Okay. That's that's my guess. But my thing is, he's getting out of the bed though. Is uh, I've I've had to sleep in a sofa bed for a few years, and you don't get out of it by scooting off the foot. You're gonna break that thing. Yeah. I'm like, he is a skinny guy. I'm not, but. Still, if you did that every day, you're going to break the frame. True. You got to like, you gotta like, just got to roll off. He also pushes the blankets out of the way, which means more work for him when he tries to make the bed. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think this guy is making the bed. But I won't spoil it for Dave. He's also shocked by the fact that he's wearing these blue pajamas because he made a really stupid choice yesterday to buy new pajamas, which you should not do when you're going to get your memory erased. That's dumb. Right. Just saying. Well, the first of many mistakes that this <laughs> character makes. Yeah. Well, no, it's not the first, as we'll see. Okay, yeah, mistakes previously. Well, but if you make a mistake, but you don't know you made the mistake, true, you've true. forgotten. Does have you really made a mistake? Wow. I'm sorry. Is this movie like Predestination with Ethan Hawke? No. No. Okay. No. That that movie, like, I want to like that movie, but by the time I was I'd done that movie, I was like, all right, this is a little up its own ass now. Because <laughs> I'm just like, all right, it's all at this point, the entire cast is just one character in different times of life. That's the twist. And I'm like, did he ever have a coworker? Does anyone else at the job be like, hey man, you're having a lot of existential crises? It looks like throughout your time. No. Mm-mm. You changed genders. You became a terrorist. You became the hunter of your own terrorist. You ever think about that? No. All right, man. See you later. It was a single other person that fucking. <laughs> he needed a <laughs> personnel department to help with that. Yeah, human resources must have been like Ethan Hawke. Look, you're having a lot of trouble. Yeah. Uh, it's like you already get a paycheck from us, sir. We can't give you another one. Yeah. They should have not assigned him to hunt down his future terrorist self. Someone should have figured that one out. You can't do that. It's going to, that's that good. 
All right, I'm sorry. Continue with your. Oh no, it's off. fine. <laughs> I actually only watched Predestination for the first time recently. That was a movie that just missed my radar. So yeah, that, that one's a little bit convoluted in its progress. It fits with these movies though. Uh, we cut from inside this small apartment to outside with the sounds of uh, like kids playing in the distance. Joel, Jim Carrey finds his car damaged with a giant yellow scrape, but of course blames the car that isn't yellow parked next to it because he's confused. I love the idea of people seeing this without knowing what the movie's about because that would be, you'd be just as confused. Yeah, and that's what I'm doing. When I was confused, like, so does he, like, this would be really obvious, I would think there'd be some damage. Now, depending on, you know, what part of the car hit his car, like, the other car is not necessarily as damaged as his, but yeah. I think it would be pretty obvious. If their bumper left a mark, their bumper has some scrape. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he kind of looks around and then he leaves a note. I'm like, it, yeah, I kind of worried about that. Like if that was the car that did the damage, there'd be no question. You wouldn't need to look around. You'd know who did it right away. Yep. And as you point out, I did the yellow paint. So it must have been a, a school bus. Yes. It was definitely a school bus, Dave. That's what happened. <laughs> Ah, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he leaves a note that says, thank you. Thank you. Exclamation point. And I noticed, because I noticed these things, that the sticker on his windshield, I don't know what it's for, but it is dated with an 04, which this movie came out in 2004, and it is Valentine's Day in this scene. Mm -hmm. So we have a very specific setting for it. Unlike Groundhog Day, where I had to do the math to figure out it was set in 1991. Yeah. So see, it tells us. Valentine's Day, 2004. Yep. So we get a picture of this man. He sleeps on a pullout couch. He drives a car that was not in great condition even before. Yeah. You know, kind of the driver's side door got smashed in. He's in an area. We see a lot of boarded up windows. This is not the nice part of town. Or if this is the nice part of town, then you don't want to get caught after dark in the bad part of town. <laughs> this is a guy whose life is not going great. No. And he seems to feel that way. I don't know New York areas, but supposedly he lives in Rockville Center, mm -hmm. although they filmed the exteriors of the apartment in Yonkers. I don't know how nice either of those are. I think I saw Lost in Yonkers. <laughs> That's how I know things is from movies. Yeah. The neighborhood seemed okay. Yeah. Although he doesn't live in Yonkers. He lives in Rockville Center. Rockville Center isn't too bad. I mean, it's, it's a suburb of New York. I think it's in, it's actually Nassau County. So it's on the South Shore of Long Island. Maybe it's an hour train ride outside of New York. So it's kind of built up as far as suburbs go. It's a pretty urban suburb, but it's not a bad area. But but speaking of kind of where this is and what kind of area it is, it's a long train ride out to Montauk. Well, um, also, it's a long car ride to the train station because they filmed this at Mount Vernon East, which is one and a half hours from Rockville Center and half an hour mm -hmm. from Yonkers. <laughs> it's not the right train station. Yeah. But it looks nice. Yeah. It looks the part. Nice and open. It has that bridge across that he can run across to the other platform. That's It's a good setting. Yeah. Now, I, I wasn't able to find a Long Island Railroad schedule from, <laughs> <laughs> from 2004, but the current schedule, it's going to take him about three hours wow. to get. And, and that includes a, a pretty big wait. Because particularly, so most of the trains, so like a lot of commuter rail systems, it's geared towards commuters that are all going into the major urban area at the morning, and then they're leaving at the evening rush hour. So when he turns to go the opposite direction, there's not too many trains. And, and this is a weekday, he's going into work. So right now, currently from Rockville Center, he'd have to change in Babylon. There's a 5.32 a.m. 
out of Rockville Center that gets to Babylon at 6.08. And then there's a 7.17 that gets in at 7.51 to go eastbound. So those are really the only two choices. Now there is a 5.33 westbound because he's waiting for his train when he runs across. So assuming that the schedule was the same, which I'm sure it wasn't. I'm sure the schedule's changed in the last 15 years. Yeah, I don't think it's five in the morning. (laughs) Yeah, it's February in the Northeast. It'd be dark. It's not 5 a.m. So the train that he catches is the 717. There's a 658. So the way he's kind of looking impatiently, maybe, yeah, maybe the train he's supposed to catch is, you know, is like 20 minutes late. The next train would have been a 727 westbound. In either case, he's got a catch train that's going to take him about 40 minutes or a half hour to get to Babylon. Then he switches to the train to Montauk, and that's about a two-hour ride. Montauk, if you're not familiar with Long Island, it's a very Long Island, as the (laughs) name says. It stretches out east of Manhattan, kind of parallel to the southern coast of Connecticut. You've got Long Island Sound there on the North Shore between Long Island and Connecticut to the south is the Atlantic Ocean. But Montauk is the very end of this Long Island. So yeah, he's got about, depending on his wait time to make the connection in Babylon, he's got anywhere from three to four hours. So if he's playing hooky, it's going to be like 11 a.m. before he even gets to Montauk. And then I don't know if he's got dinner plans, how how fast he has to turn around. You know, he's probably going to blow off whatever his evening plans are anyway. Like this is a commit when he says I'm playing hooky and I decided to take the train out to Montauk. It's not like, oh, he's going to miss the morning and then he can be back in the office after lunch. Like, no, no, he's no. committed. He's like this whole day is done. He's he's not going into work. <laughs> and it's a it's a kind of a spur of the moment thing. We see he's kind of looking and he's, he's considering his train and then yeah, he takes off and he takes that overpass to the other side of the track to catch the eastbound i mean i guess montauk is a resort town i don't know like is it resorty like i I can see the big parks like a lot of places to walk and hike i wouldn't call it resort it's not like the jersey shore but yeah there's there's a beach but it is seasonal it's it's seasonal it's a touristy and it's the kind of thing that if you go there in february you're gonna have the place pretty much to yourself yeah it is it's a summer kind of thing it's (sighs) so yeah i don't know why you go there with your briefcase and get cold (laughs) winds on the beach i mean i guess i don't know maybe he's into cold wind beach or he's gonna Go to the lighthouse. I don't know. Or he's going to look at the radar base. And I don't know, maybe read a book about the all the Montauk experiments out there. That's all I really know of Montauk is all the uh, interdimensional experiments that happen underneath the radar tower out there. Yeah. Now, as I was writing my notes, I didn't look up train schedules. So thank you for out obsessing me on that one, Sean. Mm-hmm. I was looking at the geography, though, and then I completely gave up on that because I'm like, movies mix and match the locations. But more annoying is that extra with the blue scarf. And she keeps looking at the camera. I'm like, stop looking at the camera. You're not going to get noticed for this scene in Eternal Sunshine and, of the Spotless Mind. And yet. I, right. I did notice her, her, but I don't know her it name. It worked. Oh, wow. You're right. Yeah, she really does notice that. If I could camera. find, if I could figure out, I look, I checked on IMDb to see if she added herself at some point, like the annoying, <laughs> the annoying dude from Groundhog Day, who I will get to eventually. Oh, that one guy bugged me so much because he dances in front of the camera and he shows up in the tip top and like put himself on IMDb. Stop it. The guy with the Penn State sweatshirt? No, it's a guy who's dressed really nice. And he, uh, when Phil and Rita are dancing, the couple that dances between oh, them and the camera. Yeah. This, okay. this one guy who clearly wanted to be on camera. And sure enough, he's on the IMDb because he added himself. And now he's on a podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm going to see if I can get him as a guest. 
wow, now I can't stop noticing Blue Scarf Lady. <laughs> you brought her up. See? No, because it, it kills me. It kills me. No, it angers me. Angers me to no end. I'm sure she got a direction to like knock it off or something. Yeah. Because she's very like, plays her scarf, looks at the camera, yeah. is talking to the extra next to her. The other extra is, all right, I'll play along, talks back to her. Yeah. Bumps into the lady behind her. Then we cut to a train's perspective entering the station. And it just cuts to her just looking straight out mm-hmm. and like not making any effort. So it's like, what happened to the conversation she was having? Like now <laughs> she's not even looking at the person next to her. Meanwhile, the focus is supposed to be on Jim Carrey, obviously, like looking at the train, debating to take it yeah. up Montauk. But it's like she was just having a conversation, very jovial, like suppressor. And like now, like not even looking at her, just kind of like looking out. Yep. It's a nothingness. It's like clearly she got a direction to like knock it off, lady. She distracted me so much <laughs> that then I noticed there's an extra off to the right of her who's dressed in like the same outfit as Jim Carrey. He's got that same hat on and I'm like, did not someone tell you to like take that off? Just don't look like the star. I almost wonder if it's like, it's, it stands out so much. Like, is it on purpose? Is she like, it might be like, so that we don't immediately see Joel in the crowd because we see her. Well, particularly the scarf, because there's like the the very neutral palette. So all these people, Mm -hmm. they're black, brown and black, you know, yeah, brown and black and and dark and and tan and grays. And and part of it is so there's is it one guy or two? There's yeah, there's two guys. There's one guy with like a big red heart box of chocolates. There's one guy that's holding a bouquet of red roses like the red really pops against the very neutral background. And then this lady with the very light blue scarf yep. that just jumps out. Like you think someone would run in and just take the scarf from her. And there's that guy that's standing in the yellow zone. I'm like, you're going to well, get yeah, hit by a train, too. dude. Yeah. You're going to die. But yellow's there for a reason. <laughs> Trains are no true. Although then I think they use the yellow well in that Joel, when he decides to make his run for it, yeah. has to step into the yellow to do it. So it's, it's right. It's not Around a safe people. thing he's doing. And I love that with the bag, Speaking of parallels between these films, mm-hmm. Joel has a very Tobolesque run. <laughs> very Ned, and then when, when you see Ned running with his briefcase, when he's, yep. I think it's the second loop or no, the third loop when second or third loop when Phil went like just runs away from Ned and Ned has to run after him. Yeah, yeah. He's got a similar kind of thing with the. That's got to be just like the lanky man run because you're right. Yeah. That's very like a very it makes it more noticeable how lanky he is. The lanky man briefcase run when he has to hold something so his arms can't be involved so it's yeah it's got a very particular gate to it right with the big blocky shoes now outside of the extras we also have the voiceover Mm -hmm. random thoughts for valentine's day today is a holiday invented by greeting card companies which isn't technically true all right let me know they built it up but they didn't really invent it. yeah valentine's day is sort of catholic Although there's multiple saints Valentine, Mm -hmm. two of which were apparently executed by the same emperor, Claudius II, for different reasons. I like the one that they banned marriage for young men because supposedly single men were better soldiers. And then Valentine kept doing weddings anyway. And so they executed him. Mm -hmm. But really, it comes from Lupercalia, which is even older, which was a fertility festival dedicated to Faunus or Pan that would generally happen on the Ides of February, which is the 15th. Although modern Valentine's Day has kind of been blown up with cards and gifts. But nowadays, any holiday that the capitalism can co-opt, it will co-opt. Yes. So Joel is wrong, but he's also not wrong. And then we get a nice timing, I thought, between the announcer and the voiceover. Because the announcer says last call and the voiceover continues to make people feel like crap. So the last call interrupted at a great point in the sentence for me. 
Joel looks around, steps in the yellow, as we've already said, and he runs, doesn't walk, to catch the last call of the train to Montauk and says, I ditched work today, took a train out to Montauk. Nelson says Montauk train boarding on track B, and Joel runs across a bridge like Stephen Tobolowsky. And that's all for minute two. Now, what do you think is going to happen in this movie, Dave? I mean, you've seen the trailer, so you have some idea. Uh, Yeah, you know, I have seen the trailers, and clearly it's going to go in some kind of sci-fi angle with the memory losing memories and what are memories or something you know the problem is is that i I look at this film and i I get the same vibe that i do from garden state where it's like bland guy meets quirky woman and they have a romance and it's very early 2000s and then i usually cross the street when i see that (laughs) i usually just go all right and i just cross the street go now Nope, miss me with that. She has a very good speech about that later where she basically is saying, basically we're seeing what he thinks of her. Okay. And so whether or not she's that, uh, I just hit a blank on the phrase. The uh, manic manic pixie pixie dream dream girl. girl. Yeah. Clementine is definitely one of those. Okay. But the movie does make the effort and the original script starts with her in the opening scene as her. Okay. Not him. So it's it's trying to present this person that we might see as one of those yeah. is much more than that. And part of the problem is he has trouble seeing who she really is. I mean, yeah, I, I did see Fire Days of Summer, so it's not like I avoid all romantic movies about yeah. drama and what have you. But I don't know, just I guess whatever phase this was happening early in the 2000s, I was like, I, I don't I don't know. I have a weird relationship with Manic Pixie Dream Girls because I almost always like them in films. But then afterward, I see it as a problem with the film, too. Mm-hmm. And in this one, as I already said, it's my favorite movie. So I'm OK with this one. But that will come up as a definite talking point once she's in the movie. And she has a great speech about it. And I guess it's kind of a, a mystery man-esque deconstruction because I don't know if that term had been coined yet. When this film came out, the idea of the manic pixie dream girl, and certainly those kind of characters existed, but I don't know if that phrase had been coined yet. And like you said, she kind of, you know, rebels against that objectification, even if you might think it's a positive one, like she kind of fights against it and kind of deconstructs it in the same way that Mystery Men sort of deconstructs the Marvel Universe. Christ, you're really trying to sell me on this film. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Just make an observation. I mean, look, I'm the guy who watched being John Malkovich and I got like the worst and like I, the the information mm-hmm. and the moral I got out of it was like the worst one because I was always like, oh, well, you could just jump in their brain and then just do horrible things. And my friend was like, I don't think that's the point of the movie. <laughs> I was like, you could just do well, anything. It's the same with the time loop. I'm always like, I get in a time loop and I know there's no consequences. I'm going to do something bad eventually, probably. But I don't know if I'd trust it enough to think there'd never be consequences. Yeah. But yeah, it's like, I don't know. It's just one of these things where you're like, oh, you know, Charlie Kaufman, I hope you're having a great time. But just like, I don't know. Like, this is, I looked through his stuff. I go, this isn't, this isn't my thing. But I respect that you've got to, you know, you got a different art out there, you know. I'll think about it. I just, I don't know. I don't want to be a Charlie Kaufman guy. I just don't want to do it. Well, that's fair. We we can't all be Charlie Kaufman guys. Now that you brought it up, though, Sean, I'm stuck looking in my notes for Into the Night because oh, I, Jesus. because no. I did research on Manic Pixie Dream Girls as a term I, and Femme Fatale as a term, and I'm like, did I have notes on who used it first? I'm checking. Oh God! I mean, like, I I guess I don't know. Is 
Does, is Michelle Pfeiffer? I guess she's kind of, I don't know if she's really. Okay, I found it. The term was coined officially okay. by Nathan Rabin in an AV Club piece about the movie Elizabethtown in 2007. So technically, Clementine can't be a manic pixie dream girl under the term, but she does fit. Yeah, she was one before there was a term for it. Nor could Natalie Portman in Garden State, because that was before this. Oh, my God. There it is. Yeah, Elizabethtown. When did that come out? 2007. No, it was just 2005. Google says 2005. Oh, well, the PC wrote okay. is in 2007. So it clearly everybody, everybody wanted to do this type of story. I don't know. We all well, I, to do yeah. It. I mean, one of my other examples here, my Into the Night Notes, is Sarah Jessica Parker in LA Story. And that's like what the late 80s or early 90s. I forget the what year that came out. It's a common thing. I mean, going back to, to Breakfast at Tiffany's, Audrey Hepburn oh, yeah. is a manic pixie dream girl. Yes. You know, the, the tropic li- is listed long before we had a, a term for it. Which all comes down to stuff I talked about in Michael Myers' minute as well. With, I forget what they're called, the introductions where this guy takes introductions of women in screenplays and then just changes the name. Mm-hmm. Look, I'm not a, I'm not a men, men don't write women well and don't introduce them well. So, of course, what are they going to create for their characters? Some weird fantasy. And half of those, actually with nerdy weirdos that write scripts, probably more than half of those are going to be what we call Manic Pixie Dream Girls. Oh, my God. Did, did Cameron Crowe at Aloha? How is he not under arrest? <laughs> <laughs> well, he only wrote it. He didn't do the casting. Wait, no, I guess he did because <sighs> he directed it also, didn't he? Oh, God. Yeah. See, I'm not a Cameron Crowe guy. I don't want to be a Cameron Crowe guy. I don't want to be a Charlie Kaufman guy. I guess I'm a Shane Black guy, but don't I? I still haven't seen Predators because I was like, no, that or not Predator, the Predator. Predators is the, fine. Yeah, the Predator. The Predator. The yeah. predator. I haven't so, seen that one yet either. Yeah, no, no, it's like it's one of these things where I go, what was going on, Shane? Like, I want, I don't even want to see the movie. I want to see the documentary about what's wrong with the movie. That's what I want to see. <laughs> yeah, we need to get the the episode of how did this get made on the Predator? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So. We've connected the films together. We've talked about all three. Any more thoughts on, I guess, this minute for you, Dave, or the film for you, Sean? I think I think Dave should see this film. Yeah. It's a good film. I think he'll like it. That's my, I, my, my thought. You know, this is like when Niall got me on for number 23. And I'm like, man, if, I wish I was high or drunk watching this because that would have made more sense in the film. That would help for them. Yeah. God, you know, you know what I really wish is I, re- I think I might have said it where I was like, I just wanted... I rather would have had the noir Jim Carrey storyline that he thought he was in in during the number 23. <laughs> that was cooler than anything else in the movie. Like, yeah. What if we just had Jim Carrey as a, as a monologuing the noir detective? Why can't I just have that movie? That would be good. Yeah. Yeah. But here we go. He, he does we have go. a lot of voiceover in this, but it is not a film noir. Yeah. Although it is occasionally a dark film in tone. Mm hmm. Well, if I watch, how about this? If I watch it in the in our Facebook group chat, I will talk about it. If okay. I do watch it, I'll let you know. I, I like that. Well, maybe we'll have you on again as well sometime oh, to talk God. about it if you do watch it. All right. Otherwise, you're banned. It'll just be Sean by himself. That's, that's happy. It's also happy. <laughs> <laughs> Until then. Where else can they hear you talk about other movies, Dave? Yeah, if you want now, if you want to talk about comic book movies, you know, I'm always there to talk about Five Minutes of Mystery, where I talk about the the 1999 superhero comedy ensemble Mystery Men. And yes, yeah, we, we we discussed earlier. I was uh, the co-host of Groundhog Minute with uh, Sean. Sean, you take it from here. <laughs> yeah, so uh, you can you can find out about that stuff. So I've got a, a my central site is catandshawn.org. 
That's uh, C-A-T and Sean, S-C-A-N.org. And there I link to my current show, Next Scene Podcast. I link to the Groundhog Minute, link to the Spinal Tap Minute, where I covered the movie This Is Spinal Tap, one minute at a time with Heidi Bennett. And I link to a bunch of other stuff, including all my guest appearances. So you want to go back and listen to my guest appearance on Five Minutes of Mystery. You can listen to my guest appearances on the um, Groundhog Day After Day After Day podcasts. Uh, that podcast that covered Groundhog Day one one uh, one loop at a time or one day at a time. It's time to rewind, yeah. Or, or any of my other guest appearances. I list them all and other podcast stuff all at catandshawn.org. So uh, check that out. I want to jump in. I forgot. You know, what? I'll, I'll do one link. If you want, I got a Facebook group called the Champion City Lakeside Diners Club, where it's mostly just me right now posting updates to the restoration of the Herkimer Battle Jitney. So at least I got some news. Like I have like no real <laughs> news to present because no one's talking about doing a, 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 an actual movie or a TV show sequel to this yet. Like Disney hasn't picked it up, nor is DC. You know what? No one else wants to do that. So at least some guy is doing restorations of the Herkimer Battle Jitney. So I got that. Yeah. Nice. You got that going for you. Yeah. Which is nice. Which is nice. Exactly. <laughs> Speaking of Groundhog Day after day after day, it's time to rewind. The host of that show will be the guest next week on these three shows. Oh, there you go. That's a good time. So thank you for listening, everyone. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Minute is just one part of an existential trilogy of podcasts. Tune in every Tuesday for Minutia X Machina, every Wednesday for the Groundhog Day Project Minute by Minute, and every Thursday for more Eternal Sunshine. Follow this show on Twitter at Spotless underscore Minute, and on Instagram and Facebook at Spotless Minute. This has been a production of Lemming Drop Studio. You can find links to more at lemmingdrops.com or join the Facebook group Lemming Drop Studio Tour. Also, you can support all my shows and get a bonus show, Twin Peaks Radio, at patreon.com slash lemmingdrops. Drops.